is your host, Natalie Allport, and welcome to the All In Podcast. Today, we are diving all in on sleep. Now, we've done a couple times we've talked about sleep on this podcast, and I know all the athletes and the experts who've come on definitely have talked about it, but we are diving in deep with Dr. Dave Shirazi, who is a functional dentist out of LA. Now, he is a TMJ specialist. He talks about so many intricate and important pieces about the importance of sleep, how we can improve our sleep hygiene. Um, We explain the importance of the different stages of sleep, like deep sleep, REM sleep, and how to, you know, improve our time spent in those stages. We especially dive into sleep apnea and how 90% of people who have it actually don't know and how the stereotype of the type of people who you think or you may have seen in the news who typically have sleep apnea might actually not be correct. There's actually a lot of us who have sleep issues and perhaps even sleep apnea, um, but it takes us testing to figure that actually out. We also dive into performance mouthpieces, which have been a big thing, um, especially in the CrossFit world recently, but also in you know strength sports, in golf, all these different things. We talk about, are they legit or are they not? You'll have to listen in to figure that out. Um, In the end, we also go over kind of the main tips that summarize the whole episode of things that you can do to improve your sleep. So I know there's so many amazing takeaways you'll get from this episode. I hope you also learn a little bit more about the science of sleep, about jaw alignment and how that affects both your sleep and your performance, um, as well as maybe encourages you to go check out and see if you are getting good sleep and how you can personally improve it because This one answer is maybe not the right answer for every single person. We're all individuals. There's all ways that we can move towards to uh, move forwards towards our goals in the best way for us. So without further ado, let's go all in. Welcome to the All In Podcast, Dr. Dave Shirazi. How's it going? I'm doing great. How are you? I am doing good, and I'm so you thankful that you're here because I'm I'm excited. I mean, we already had some pre-show banter, and I'm already excited <laughs> about what we're going to dive into. Yeah, I love how enthusiastic and uh, excited you are to to hear about it. I'm excited to tell you about it. Yeah. So I know we talked, uh, we, we kind of were starting to talk about mouth pieces and mouth guards and TMJ and jaw alignment. And we'll definitely mm-hmm. dive into that. I want everyone to, yeah. to know we're going to, we're going to touch on that, but I want to start off with sleep. Could we start okay. with just kind of improving or, or talking about, um, you know, what sleep is kind of just the basics for anyone who doesn't really understand okay. the science of sleep. Yeah. So To me, the most important aspects of sleep. So we have four stages of sleep, stage one, two, three, and REM, okay? And the really what we believe is the most important parts of sleep are stage three and REM. Now, stage three is where we get almost 100% of our growth hormone. Over 90% of our growth hormone comes from that stage of sleep. And then REM is where we do our mental and emotional processing. Right. So memory consolidation, processing of emotions that we went on to the day, you know, the day our REM is working overtime, you know, in these stressy times. Oh, yeah. And and we even finding out that um, our lymphatic system in our brain clears out the beta amyloid plaques during REM. Right. Uh-huh. So there's still a lot we don't know. And I know this sounds like a clickbait kind of statement, 
but it isn't. Sleep is more important than diet and exercise, right? It doesn't mean you don't need diet and exercise. <laughs> I'm just saying in hierarchy wise, it's the most important thing. Right. And we know like sleep affects stress, but stress also affects sleep. Could you kind of go over some like the importance of sleep and how it affects our lives? Yes. So after we're done growing, we use the growth hormone to repair. Right. So whether it's working out at the gym, having an injury, whatever it is, um, we need growth hormone to repair. Okay, physical repair. Um, When it comes to. Uh, REM, like I said, that's where we do our mental, emotional stuff. So um, we have a phenomenon called an arousal. An arousal is when we get kicked out of Delta or REM for 10 seconds or greater, right? Okay. And the things that are that can kick us out of REM are, well, you know, the general things, the most common things are snoring and sleep apnea. That's the most common things that, especially that I treat. But anything like a noisy neighbor's dog that barks in the middle of the night, right? Um, A bed partner with snoring and sleep apnea, right? Um, But also little things. So if you have a glass of wine or two before bedtime, we know it helps us fall asleep, but we get lighter sleep. We get less Delta and REM. Yeah. And so when we're lighter sleep, the way we discuss that in the medical literature is we call it, we're more vigilant, right? And the more vigilant we are, the more prone we are to arousals that happen to be, I don't know, a little bit of extra light coming in through the window, um, a dog that just barks once versus, you know, incessantly and things like that, if that makes sense. Right. That totally makes sense. And so I know you come from the dentistry world. So how does that Mm -hmm. intertwine with sleep? Well, excellent question. So with uh, the context of snoring and sleep apnea, right now, the most commonly used treatment is what's called the CPAP machine. You know, you wear this mask and it, and it basically it's, it uses pneumatic air pressure to blow your tongue and throat area open. Okay. Okay. Because people think that it's forcing air down your lungs. It's not intended to do that. It's just blowing the air in the throat. And then when you breathe, you fight against the air. Yeah. And it works. It works like it has something like a nearly 100% success rate in terms of uh, resolving the snoring or the sleep apnea, I should say, while you're wearing it. The issue is it has a less than 50% compliance rate, has a really poor compliance rate. Um, which is a problem, right? So oral appliance therapy to treat snoring and sleep apnea. Also, they have thousands of articles on the efficacy of oral appliances. We're finding that people tolerate it 75, 80% of the time. So about it's tolerated about twice as good as CPAP, but it's only about 75 to 80% as efficacious as the CPAP. Okay. So there, there is that in my lectures, when I lecture to dentists and doctors, I tell them it's sort of like the difference between ointment and suppository, right? (laughs) Suppositories work better than ointments, right? But you have to bend over and do it every night. And nobody wants to do that. And not very many people do. I mean, if you're, you know, listen, if you care enough about your health, you will, (laughs) you know, Um, but ointment, Hey, it does, it does the job 80% of the time. And it's pretty convenient. Just rub it on, then you go to bed. <laughs> it's right. pretty easy. So it's you just kind of like you you pick what works best for you. 
And in my personal experience, um, people have sort of already made up their mind, right? So by the time they've come to see me, because some people will say, I'm afraid to even go to my doctor to get a sleep study because I'm afraid he's going to tell me I need a CPAP mm. and I know I don't want it. Right. Right. And I said, don't worry, you have a choice. The first thing to do is get tested. Um, but I also have patients that like, for example, I had a patient that worked in a, a fire. Uh, he was a fireman. He, he worked on a fire precinct. And, and he said, everybody in, in the precinct wears a CPAP. If they can do it, I can do it. And we didn't even have to try a whole bunch of masks. He knew he was going to do it (laughs) and he was able to tolerate it. The psychology of this, in my opinion, supersedes everything. Um, But, but yeah, it's, it's kind of, people have already have it made up in their mind and, and, you know, people, you know, with the divorce rates being so high, you know, there are people that say, you know, I'm single and it could be men or women. They go, I'm single now that I'm dating, I'm in my forties. I, I don't want to go on a date and then wear a CPAP and sound like Darth Vader. It's like, okay, I, I, I understand. <laughs> That's very similar to, you know, uh, what I hear from nutritionists or coaches, you know, in a sport or a certain, you know, goal, there could be, you know, diets that work best or uh, workout programs that work best. But realistically, the pro- it's the program that you can stick to that's going to be the best one for you. And everyone's body is yeah. different, so they got to do the that's testing. Right. But also, it is the psychological piece. That's that's huge because it's what can you buy into and what can you stay consistent with. That's right. uh, and people often forget about that point. That's right. That's right. Now, you, you, I saw on your website that you know 90% of people who have sleep apnea don't know. What are some of the signs right. that you could have sleep apnea? Because I, you know, if I, if I were to talk to my friends, probably a good 70% have you know, trouble sleeping. It's, you're, it's hard to find when you go to a friend group and say, oh yeah, we all sleep so amazing. Everyone seems to have this issue with sleep or they underestimate sleep when it just, yeah. it's so important. I've been wearing yeah. like a whoop device to track my sleep for four years as an athlete. I, I know sleep is important, but most people don't understand that. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So insomnia, though, is a, is it is it can be a separate issue. You can have insomnia without sleep apnea, but you can have sleep apnea that causes insomnia as well. Like okay. those things exist. And we break down insomnia into three versions, difficulty falling asleep, difficulty staying asleep, or waking up early in the morning and you can't go back to sleep, right? Those are all three forms of insomnia. And they have various reasons. Like, you know, uh, everyone's trying intermittent fasting and, you know, they want to go through, they want to go through the night without eating. And if you're, if you're doing some carbs, I mean, so really you shouldn't be doing carbs at all if you're doing intermittent fasting. That's those are some things that don't really go well together. But people who have a body that's adapted to carbs, their brain becomes deprived of glucose in the middle of the night, Mm. right? Whereas if you're in a ketogenic state and the last meal you had had a good amount of fats and proteins in it, your body will derive whatever energy source it needs from the food that you ate. It'll break it down by that. Interesting. Yeah. But then again, we come down to the snoring and sleep apnea. So not all people that snore have sleep apnea, but most do. Right. And when we look at longitudinal studies that are like really 20, 30 years long, what we find is people that have snoring, but no sleep apnea 
they eventually will have sleep apnea, right? And those, let's say in their 20s that had mild sleep apnea, 20 years later, they'll end up with moderate to severe sleep apnea. That's the general trend, right? And that's the thing, you know, a lot of people think it's like, oh, you have to be obese. You have to be overweight to have sleep apnea, right? And that's not at all the case. Um, Sure, if you're overweight, it's just, you're just adding to the problem, yeah? But it's sleep apnea is a neuromuscular tone deficiency, but it could also be enhanced by not, you know, poor nasal patency, air blockage with tonsils and adenoids that are enlarged. Um, and again, like bad sleeping habits and bad sleeping positions. So I'm just trying to get, there was a study in about 10 years ago, just on females, college age with a BMI under 19. Okay. Right. So young, thin females. Okay. They did sleep studies on them and 50% of them were positive for sleep apnea. Wow. Right? Which is the exact it's opposite population. The exact opposite of what you would think would have it. Right. And we know that sleep apnea can cause type two diabetes, hypertension, depression, and anxiety. It's, uh, it's associated with Parkinson's stroke, I mean, just almost everything that's not genetic uh, based, but that is inflammatory based. So in a study they did on adults between the age of 30 and 60, and I, and I bring this up because you had asked, like, how can we know, right? Yeah. And so one of the ways we can know is the, the sneaky thing about sleep issues is we don't know we, we're having them because we're asleep, but the external manifestation could be tension type headaches, depression, anxiety, you know, all those things we discussed. So in this one study, huge study out of JAMA, um, where they took for over 1400 patients and they had them fill out what's called a Zung's depression scale. Like they rate their own depression, right? Okay. And from as low as I occasionally feel sad thoughts to I consider committing suicide on a daily basis. Yeah. And so they took those scores and then they, and again, the population was between 30 and 60 years old and they did sleep studies on all of them and in lab proper sleep studies. And they found that the severity of their depression and the severity of their sleep apnea was one to one. That's crazy. Wow. One to one. Now we have follow-up studies on patients who have both sleep apnea and depression and or anxiety. If you want to look up the research, you'd look up psychosocial uh, issues with sleep apnea. That's the, that's the medical jargon for depression and anxiety. And we see either resolution or great improvement of their depression and anxiety once they treat it with either CPAP or oral appliance therapy. Wow, that's yeah. that's interesting. And, and and in children, it's with AD, ADD and ADHD. Yes, I definitely wanted to touch on that because mm-hmm. I have ADHD and um, I've been reading, for example, the start of this year, I got really deep into the book uh, Breathe by James Nestor. And so since then, I've actually been taping, it must be maybe eight months now that I've okay. been taping my mouth shut when I go to sleep. And like Excellent. try to work on my nasal breathing. So I would love your thoughts on that and thoughts on like, what are, what are some things that people can do to improve their sleep in general without, you know, going as far as getting a CPAP or right. um, the oral devices? Okay. So just in general, we have a term uh, called sleep hygiene. 
So what we want to do with our bedroom is make sure that it's dark. It's slightly cool in the like high 60s, low 70s. And the, the higher 60s are preferred. Uh, quiet. Um, and the space is only used for sleeping insects, meaning you don't do your work on your laptop on it. I don't have a TV in any of my bedrooms, you know, but I, I just want to keep the light out. I want to keep the energy out. And plus my wife is the kind of person that she can fall asleep to a TV running. I just, I cannot. My boyfriend okay. too. And it drives yeah. me crazy. <laughs> I, I, I absolutely hate it. Um, and she doesn't know that she's getting retarded sleep by having the, the TV on. Right. Yeah. Um, on rare occasions, rare occasions, like just a few times a year, she'll go down to the living room and watch something and then just fall asleep on the sofa. She just loves it. I just, I, I, I find it detestable, but, but just the light and the noise will reduce the ability to get all the proper sleep stage. Okay. Cause you're telling your brain to be vigilant. Hmm. You're telling your brain um, I'm not in a safe, dark space. I am in a place where there's activity going on and I'm going to be unconscious. So you're going to have to be a little bit vigilant. We're going to have to compromise to sleep just to make sure that we don't die. That's a really, you know what? I'm going to take that clip and show it to my boyfriend when he tells you, me. He wants you, to you, that's the way, everything you think about health, please think of it in the context of evolution survival and neurology hmm. those are the three ways you have to think of it and when you think about it, oh it could be this it could be that well if we look at the evolution <laughs> neurology and survival aspect of it then you'll get closer to the number one reason than you would anything else i i love that because it's i, I love having conversations like this where it opens up that conversation of it's back to the basics. It's improving our sleep. It's getting outside. It's, it's doing these things that almost in today's day and age with the technology we have, people don't want that answer because they think it's not, it's not uh, complicated enough. So that must not be the real answer. And it's like, yeah. no, these, these are the root problems. It's not something super, super complicated. It's, you know, a lot of these things are sleep and proper alignment of your body and movement and, and all these things. Um, that, that being said, what are some sleep hygiene things that people can do, you know, throughout the day? Because I know what we do, like drinking caffeine or yes. getting sunlight or yes. supplements we take, um, this all affects us. We think that maybe we get ready for sleep five minutes before, but it's really, mm -hmm. it's a whole 24 hour cycle. That's right. So we have a, such great questions you're asking. I really, I'm, I'm really loving your podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> we didn't, I mean, and, you, and you, we will admit, right. We didn't have like a, uh, a conversation before talking about Q, what what you're going to ask and what I'm going to talk about. You just are really doing this based on your own intelligence and your own questions about life and the and for your audience, you know. So I really want to compliment curious, you. About. <laughs> yes, good. It's a great way to be in life. So we have a mechanism of our brain in our brain called uh, so the circadian rhythm, and it's dictated by light, and it's managed by cortisol. So when we wake at about 6 a.m., that's our peak cortisol. That's our, we talked about vigilance. That's our vigilant hormone, right? We need that to kind of be alert and to handle any situation that we have. Um, and then by 6 p.m. or so, it should drop, right? right. Now, our brains, again, evolution, <laughs> neurology, and survival. 
our brains cannot tell the difference between a photon of light that comes from the sun and a photon of light that comes from a screen. Okay. So, so when we are like staring at a screen or we're uh, just watching a lot where, you know, our jobs are in, to be in front of a screen all day, zoom calls and et cetera, we're, we're, we're not getting, um, a normal uh, array of sunlight. And then this is also not the sunlight that triggers vitamin D production from our, our skin receptors either. Right. So there's a big difference between being out in the sunlight versus being in the screen light, right? Yeah. So one of the things I recommend are these uh, blue blockers. It's these orange glasses. And believe it or not, the darker the blue blocker, the better. It's it, Again, it's like a dark orange. Like the one I wear is a dark orange and it's fabulous. And as at a minimum, as soon as it's dark outside, I like to wear it. Okay. And I found actually, uh, if I, if, if I've been, if I've had a lot on my mind and I'm having a hard time falling asleep, I told you I have, I was just consolidating alone. That, that took a lot of, a, a lot of time effort. Um, when that happens, um, I'll sometimes put the blue blocker on way early, like at 6 p.m. Okay. And I'll, and you get used to it very easy. Yeah. Very quickly. And I find that by 10 p.m., I'm yawning and 9.30 p.m., I'm yawning and going, oh my God, how are you going to go there? And it's, and it's done and I'm out. Right. So those are the kind of things that we can do to protect us from that light. Um, Always, I mean, this this to me sounds commonsensical because I've been doing this since I was a kid. Avoid the news. Oh yeah, especially okay. over the past couple of years. <laughs> no, I mean, ever since I was ten years old, I, you know, I I was a very sensitive kid. And one time I was watching the news. I think I was with my dad, and I was ten years old. And they showed in Japan a janitor that went crazy and knifed a bunch of kindergartners. I, I still get emotional talking about it. I'm going to be 48 next month. Okay. So, so yeah, to, to just avoid it. It, it. it has the reputation. It's called the bad news. Yeah. Right. And this is an apolitical statement. I don't care if you're watching Fox news or CNN, they give misinformation. And okay. it's meant to trigger your cortisol, right? Like to me. And it does, it stop. triggers you. So you'll go to bed thinking, Hey, this contradicts everything uh that they were saying last month you know <laughs> you know and you go to bed and you're like pissed yes. <laughs> you're upset and it's don't, don't don't do it don't waste your time don't waste your time don't waste your life don't waste your energy and your sleep on that information yeah well fantastic advice i mean that's i try to compromise with my boyfriend about the the tv before bed but that's a big one especially if for example later in the night after dinner we're watching you know maybe a some sort of series that could be intense because it could be like a drama or a thriller or something like that i mean i try to stay away from scary movies because i'm like why trigger myself but um you know you watch something and it kind of triggers you you're feeling you know attached emotionally and so what he watches before bed and this is the compromise is he puts on like a friend's episodes that he's watched 50 times before mm -hmm. so yes. at least you know your brain already knows what's going to happen exactly it's it mindless tones it out exactly oh, I, I've, I've done it before too i sometimes will take lunch and i'll i'm into formula one racing oh, and I'll pull, yep. oh are you yes. and, I, and i'll pull up a formula one race highlights reel that i've seen probably 10 times and it's just relaxing yeah it's it empties your brain it's it's that's fine 
That's fine. And, and especially if you can find it, it's not so easy to find, but if you can find things that are uplifting, yeah, you know, that's also makes you feel good because there is more positive things being done on earth than the negative, but all media focuses on the negative. Yeah. Right. And they try to, you know, the, the greatest example I can give was when we went after the Taliban, right? There was like a handful of these people, right? Handful. It was just, I mean, we could have sent one Navy SEAL troop and get them all. I mean, it was not a big deal, right? But every day on the news, they were hammered in. They would put a microscope on them and yeah. made it look like they're taking over this whole country. These, these, these hundred people were taking over this whole country. And, and it's not, it's, that's not the case. That's not the case. So avoid news media, um, but if you want to stay informed, talk to doctors who actually read research and don't have a vested interest in what's going on in today's climate. Um, look for alternative, uh, media outlets like, like that Ben Swan has his own thing. Um, the, what's his name? Uh, the children's health defense, you know, they're very evidence-based and they, they don't have a political you know, spin or bias or anything like that. And the, from my point of view, the information I'm I'm seeing is positive, but even when it's slightly less positive, it's truthful. Right. You know, and there's something you can do with the truth that you just can't do with a lie. You know, you can, <laughs> you know, you can get yourself worked up over a lie, but the truth you can actually feel, okay, maybe I can do something now. Right. Well, that's exactly why I tell, you know, people, uh, other athletes, people who are social media influencers, like don't check your comments before bed. Like, why would you do that to yourself? <laughs> yes. One yes, of the worst very things good. and straight first thing in the morning either. Like you're just going to stress yourself out. I agree with fun. you. I agree with you. It could be like daggers. And ironically, the flip side is you don't get uh, the same level of joy on the flip side, reading the compliments. Right. Exactly. It seems like most people just take in the negative and not so much the positive. So. So. And then you talked about your athletes. I wanted to talk to you about um, performance uh, mouthpieces for athletes. Yeah. Right. That they can use to. Well, one that you can sleep with an appliance, obviously, to help you sleep because clenching. Uh, we clench our teeth at night, which then causes a myriad of jaw muscular teeth and, and health problems um, from stress, but also from sleep apnea, right? Oh, as a kid, I grinded my teeth. I oh, me too. A dentist, they would drive the dentist crazy. She's like, you're, you're going to get rid of all your teeth. And then I would try to wear, um, I don't know, they gave me yeah, some mouth guard, but it wasn't a good one that they gave me. And all of the time I felt like it was shifting my jaw. And so I, my compliance, exactly what you said was very, very low. So it, you know, yeah. I would wear it for a couple of days and then I would stop and that lasted maybe a month until I never wore it again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and it's more challenging on a growing child, right? Because you don't want to make anything that locks them down. So I make mine that are developing of the jaws while they're controlling the clenching okay yeah 
So would, would you say, yeah, like I, let's talk more about the performance mouth mouthpieces because I mean, yeah. let's talk about them for sleep. Let's talk about it for, like you said, strength. And then I know even we were talking about this airwave thing that people are using now for endurance to hold the tongue yeah. down in proper position. Because yeah. like I was just telling you, I've, I've been taping my mouth shut. I've been learning more, you know, breathing through my nose. I can kind of mm -hmm. run and do stuff up to a certain heart rate through my nose until then I have to, you know, higher intensity, I go back to my mouth. So how, how can we, improve you know our, our jaw alignment how does that work into athletic performance and breathing yeah. let's talk about all that stuff so it comes down to neurology right and and uh roman soldiers actually during battle would talk about biting on a piece of leather ah. like they would bite on a piece of leather to get more power as they would as they would do their fighting and warring but it comes down to neurology the the joint that has the most innervations, most proprioceptive innervation is the jaw joint. Yeah. And I think the second most is um, either the SI joint or mm. the feet. It's, it's, but the jaw is number one. Yeah. Okay. And like, like we say, when you want to lift something heavy or do something like that or punch you, first thing you do is you clench your teeth. Right. You want to like screw something heavy. You know, you got to clench your teeth to do that. So when you have an appliance that holds your jaw in the ideal jaw position and also protects your teeth from that clenching. Yeah. Now it allows you to use more power to get what you need done. So it's very interesting. So we also make appliances for concussion, right? For like football, uh, boxing, um, even basketball. But uh, we make them for, you know, athletes in the gym, for professional uh, kickers in like the NFL to get more length. Um, and actually can even help with fine tune things. But it's interesting. So, for example, when we make a performance mouthpiece for a golfer, we tell them where, assuming they don't have a jaw problem. So if they don't have a jaw problem, they don't need to wear it all the time. They just wear it while they're like in the gym, for example, you can wear it while lifting weights. But even then we say a little bit with caution because let's say it improves your performance by up to 25%. That's a lot. That's on the high end. Most of the time it's between 10 to 15 to 20, right? Okay. However, if you've been working out, let's say you can lift, you know, 50 pounds on a dumbbell um, and now you want to go and lift, you know, 60 or 70 and, and 50 was your max. Right. Well, the problem with that is as you're lifting, if you just jump from your max of 50 to your max of 60 now, uh, you could have a tear. Right. You could have an injury. The whole system isn't ready for that. That's right. Your neurology is ready, <laughs> but your tissues aren't ready. So you have to build them up. So, so we always tell them, it's like, listen, I know you can do it. I don't want you to do it. To go to, go to 52, go to 52 and a half, go to 55, go to 57, go, then go to 60. Right. I go just, just so you don't injure yourself. Right. But coming back to golfers, we have them put them in and they'll get an extra 50 yards, 60 yards, 70 yards from their long drive. Wow. Yeah. But at the same time, what's really fascinating is if they try to do their short game, their little putt game, mm. if they have the appliance in, it messes them up. Right. Huh. Interesting. Right? Because their body is, is like so much geared for more power. 
<laughs> and this is where they have to be very fingertippy, very delicate and be precise. Okay. So, so we tell them, yeah, leave it out on your short game, leave it in on your long game. Interesting. And now are these, do you usually make them for the top or the bottom? Like, what do they look like? For So, so for performance, we're doing them on the bottom when they're not, we're not worried about concussion. We're doing them on the bottom and they're, they're custom made. We have a CT scan that we use to measure the exact job position. I do a neurological exam to make sure that's the right job position for them. We laser their jaws to calm the neurology so we can actually capture that jaw position. Wow. And then we make it to that job position. That sounds a lot better than the mouth guards that I ever got made because as you growing up in hockey, snowboarding, um, yeah, now CrossFit, I, I've been mm. wearing tons of mouth guards, tons, especially with hockey. And then also with, uh, with snowboarding, which most people wouldn't uh, really associate, but it was definitely a big thing for preventing concussion yeah. and I would get them dentist fitted, but um, like I told you before, even with the one I wore at night for my teeth grinding, it wasn't ever felt like the right alignment, but they weren't doing all those tests. It was just an x-ray and then put in, they weren't doing the CT scan. They weren't doing all these different things to see what's the actual right alignment of your jaw. They're just saying here, put this in and it'll space out your teeth. That's right. That's right. Very interesting. Very, yeah. Very much. Different. And then, like I said, on my website, I have research for performance appliances where you can see, um, where this ideology comes from. Right. And so do is is there like an ideal airway, an ideal method of breathing that these things can help you with? Like I know this one I have here is to kind of, you know, keep your tongue down. It's also kind of open up your airways. But I'm interested uh, in hearing your thoughts on that, especially with the nasal breathing versus mouth breathing and all that kind yeah. of argument. Well, first of all, I want to say I'm not a big fan of lowering your tongue. I want the tongue up on the roof of the mouth, first and foremost. Um if someone has sleep apnea and we need to keep the tongue down so that the tongue doesn't go up and over into the throat, that's, that's one, that's not, that's something that I do in my practice, but it's not even an optimal situation. I would love to be able to treat them without forcing the tongue down. I want the tongue up and forward. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And the taping is a great idea, you know, assuming you don't have acid reflux and you're doing it under doctor's supervision because, um, by forcing yourself to only breathe through your nose, you're maintaining a normal level of entitled CO2. And we have way more receptors of CO2 in our body than we do for oxygen. I think we only have two for oxygen. Okay. But, with, but with CO2, we have, I think, nearly a thousand. So if our entitled CO2 is not within a normal range, let's say between 35 and 45 millimeters of mercury, um, then the oxygen, so if it's too low, the oxygen in our hemoglobin will not be allowed to liberate, right? So you could have a wonderful oxygen desaturation of 99, 100%, but if your entitled CO2 is low, you won't be able to, to liberate the oxygen from the hemoglobin out of your blood. Um, if it's too high, if you go past 48 millimeters of mercury, it's associated with death. It's, you know, and it's, it's a lot harder to, to get it high than it is to get it low. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. 
Okay. So that, yeah, that, that kind of makes sense and kind of puts together a few things that I've heard definitely about, you know, the breathing and the CO2 and different things that'll be interesting to try this mouthpiece and see that's a, Mm -hmm. it's definitely, it's becoming a new topic. Like you never saw it in the sport of CrossFit. I have seen some people wearing it doing deadlifts or something like Mm -hmm. you talked about with the max power. Very few people. I think people, they, they don't want to be stigmatized as trying that hard. Right. But I'm like, you're a professional athlete. If this can improve, why wouldn't you do it? Why wouldn't you do it? Yeah, I mean, I think it was Serena Williams one time wore these tights, these yoga pants that um, controlled the shock and rebound in the muscles when running and stomping to catch a you know ball and and hit it with a racket. You can do that. It's not illegal. I mean, you're not even hurting your body like you would with the steroid. I mean, it's just right. holding things together. And if you can improve your body's neurology easily and naturally, and in my case, precisely, then why wouldn't you? I, I think it's if it matters enough to you, I would do it. It's very interesting. You know, um, as we started in the beginning, we were talking about growth hormone and sleep. Uh, I'll I'll hear these guys, these performance guys talk about if you run like this and you eat this meat and you do that, you'll increase your growth hormone by 0.12% or something trivial and and try it. And I go, well, if you got a good night's sleep, you'll get way more growth hormone than that. You, You could measurably see a difference yeah Yeah. well right it goes back to people wanting the complicated answer because it sounds more realistic than just the simple answer of get better sleep that's right um and sometimes you know like we've been talking about this whole time of improving your sleep it 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 can be more complicated than you think and so even though it is a simple solution and answer there's a lot of complicated things that might go into actually improving your sleep and that's right um yeah and going back to like you talked about in the in the deep sleep at stage three we get the growth hormone and then we have the REM, which is the more mental recovery. Obviously, as athletes, um, especially that that growth hormone stage, that that deep sleep, you really want to be maximizing that because you're beating your body up. But I'm sure mm-hmm. too, you know, REM is extremely important just for the mental recovery. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, maybe, maybe is it for skill, like remembering skills that you're working on and things that you need to kind of go to memory. And I hopefully I didn't uh, miss miss say that. But can no. you talk about? like what's ideal like what what how much should we be getting of that kind of those stages the different stages of sleep and is there a too much i haven't seen it too much i mean there are people with you know hypersomnia who you know sleep too much and and you know they can sleep 12 hours and it feels like it's not enough that's a that's a different problem also very rare but that's a that's a (laughs) that's a that's a different problem um with uh, with the actual um, normal amounts of sleep, so we want a minimum of eight hours of sleep. I hearing I'm hearing now people think six and a half and seven is enough. It's not enough. Okay, okay. you need eight and a half, eight or more hours of sleep, and twenty five percent of our sleep should be REM. Okay, twenty five percent of our sleep should be um, delta, and the other stage one and two should be fifty percent. Right. That's for an adult. For a child, like a newborn is almost a hundred percent delta or rep. Right. You're very um neuroplastic as you're growing and remembering and learning and growing so fast, right? Yeah, exactly. 
Interesting. So I, you know what, I, I, this is kind of a, a deeper to- uh, topic within this, especially talking about REM sleep, but I think it's very interesting because we actually, we had two podcasts earlier in the year. One was mm. with um, an Olympian javelist, uh, jav- javelin athlete, who was one of my friends. And we were talking about last year, we were experiencing very high REM. We both kind of track our sleep and track everything. And we mm. were feeling kind of low stress and we were getting like 30, 35, even seeing 40% REM, which was unusual for us and having crazy dreams and we were trying to figure out our why and so we we did an experiment where we tracked not just in our kind of our apps but we actually you know we would write down every morning how what percentage REM sleep we got how long we slept but we would try to track different things we did during the day did we experience a flow state with like sport or training how long did we meditate we were trying to track these things Mm. and we we were, we then had someone who came on and talked a little bit about, um, sleep later on. And he kind of said that maybe meditating so much and being in that state Mm. during the daytime, then it's replicated. So if you're in really high stress and you're not handling it well in the day that can then kind of cycle back into your sleep. But if you're doing, spending a lot of time in that relaxed state in the daytime, it could reflect in the sleep with, you know, that similar cycle of REM. What are, what are your thoughts on that? And uh, I mean, I thought for a while that it was bad because I was experiencing these crazy dreams and I was like, I don't want to have these crazy dreams anymore, but I do recognize that REM is extremely important. It is extremely important. So I have, a, I have a lot to say about that. So first off, I haven't found anything that is a good measure, like these over-the-counter products right? that measures your sleep staging properly. The only way you can measure your sleep staging is tapping into your neurology, your brain waves. Um, I mean, the Aura Ring is okay. It's okay. Um, the Fitbits in my experience, and and mind you, the technology may have improved since the last time I looked at them, but like the stuff like that is just worthless in terms of collecting data, right? Apple watch. Yeah. I mean, I don't know enough about the Apple watch to tell you, but again, in the past, they were worthless if they even bought in the first few Apple watches didn't even check check sleep now they're saying they do and again when you put that many things in one i don't believe that it's you know like at least when it's the aura ring or something i'm like okay they say they specialize in sleep when you try to tell me you can do every single thing at once i'm like that sounds like no (laughs) thank you so that's one aspect the other aspect of it is we are finding that people are who people who meditate uh transcendental meditation and the ones that go really deep into meditation, they are opening up their brain to getting better theta wave, which is REM sleep. Okay. Right? And we and so it's that's what's so great about meditation. It's like you're giving yourself that. It's like when you're awake, you're giving yourself that stage of sleep. It really is glorious. It really is wonderful. Okay. And is there something similar that we can do to? improve the amount of deep sleep if that kind of coincides with the REM sleep? Um, that's a good question. Um, Cause again, with sports, right? Everyone is like, how do I improve my muscle recovery? How do I get stronger faster? And they look uh, complicated, but it's like, how can I get that deep sleep? And I know, of course we talked about, you know, getting tested for sleep apnea and stuff like that, but. Yeah. So, I mean, right now, the only scientific answer I could give you would be on the basis of, well, how can we 
make sure we have uninterrupted sleep, right? The sleep hygiene, the sleep apnea, the bed partner, the quiet environment. That's like scientifically what I can tell you. I know there's some anecdotal reports of, you know, biennial if I'm pronouncing that right, and um, put, you know, listening to something that's supposed to do hemisynchronization of the brain um, and trigger more delta wave through frequency. Um, I would like to see more data in that. I, that area really excites me. But I couldn't tell you right now, this is a technique that works great for improving delta. The only thing I can tell you definitively is making sure you get a good night's sleep. Okay. Yeah. And I've also heard like the sleep consistency is important mm. too with the circadian rhythm. Yeah. Going to bed at the same time, waking up at the same time, even on weekends is, is really great. Perfect. Well, yeah, I, I agree. I'm, this is such a good topic. I mean, diving into sleep is so huge. So that's, that's amazing. And the performance mouth guards, that seems like really interesting science. I'm excited to dig into some of the science and stuff. Um, mm -hmm. Do we want to quickly touch on TMJ? Um, because I mean, okay. I work with some chiros and massage therapists who they've preached it, you know, the TMJ techniques and the myofascial release and all these things. It seems like it's a big topic nowadays of people wondering, oh, do I have TMJ? What is it? And they have a lot of questions around it. Yeah. So I'm going to say something right off the bat, and it might sound controversial or biased, but I'm just going to tell you from not just my 15, 20 years of clinical practice in it, but from the literature and physically experiencing it. Okay. Um, in chronic TMJ cases, Okay, not acute ones like you, you know, motor vehicle, you know, motor vehicle accident where you had whiplash or, you know, boxing got a blow to the jaw. I'm not talking about acute cases, which are much more rare than chronic. With chronic cases, if you're not wearing an appliance that protects your jaw from swallowing, chewing, and clenching, mm. nothing that you do will ever work. Okay. And I say this, I'm an acupuncturist, as, as I think you already know, I'm also an acupuncturist. So I use acupuncture, you know, for my patients daily, right? If I just did acupuncture on people, they would just keep coming back over and over and over again. They'd mm -hmm. feel great. And then they'd go home, clench your teeth and back to square one, you know? So same thing with chiropractic, same thing with physical therapy. Um, the problem is when we clench, for example, we just don't clench here. We clench like this with our shoulders, yes. which subluxate our neck, which gives us tension type headaches, right? I mean, there's so much literature showing that when you can prohibit the clenching at night, you can prohibit tension type and even sometimes migraine type headaches. Right. Yeah. Um, and we actually see that also with ENT. So if someone has a chronic sinusitis, they have a deformity in their nose or in their sinus, having a surgery that fixes it can also resolve their apnea. I'm sorry, their uh, uh, migraines as well. Interesting. Right? So because you're treating the cause of the problem, right? Yeah. And and the issue with TMJ is, you know, we have a mechanism in our brain, in our prefrontal cortex, that says don't give me redundant information, right? So if you walk into a room that smells real bad, after about five minutes, you don't smell it anymore. 
right? Doesn't mean those odor molecules aren't going up to your brain. <laughs> they are. But your brain just says, I don't want to think about this because I can't do anything about it, right? Right. Well, imagine you have a jaw problem. It could be anything like just what we call an effusion, like a swelling in the jaw joint, right? Or a clicking or popping or what have you. And every time you swallow, your teeth come together and it shoves your jaw all the way back into the spot that causes pain. Same thing when you chew food, same thing when you clench your teeth at night. Well, we swallow two to 3,000 times a day. And every time we do, we put our teeth together for about a second, right? So if we had a wound, if we had a wound, if I had a wound on my finger, um, I know if that I left it alone, if I put some Neosporin and a Band-Aid on it, my body would heal the wound, I'd have a little scar, but I'd be pretty much fully operational after that, right? Now imagine I have the same open wound, but two to 3,000 times a day, I poke it with my finger, <laughs> right? It will never get well, right? And it will in fact continue to get worse, <laughs> okay? This, this sends alarm, but the brain doesn't want this redundant information because you have to swallow. So swallowing is a survival mechanism, right? So every time you do that, you're just triggering the pain, right? So with, you know, acupuncture and, I, and I, by the way, I love all these things, acupuncture, osteopathy, chiropractic adjustments. I go and get it done myself. I think it's wonderful and miraculous, but I have no illusions that if I had a jaw problem that they would be able to help me without an appliance. Right. You got to fix that root problem and then you can you do the symptoms. Of then you can then you can build on it. Right. Then you can build on it. So like, for example, acupuncture, osteopathy, manipulation, chiropractic helps the person. Right. But then they go back to square one. Right. But so once you have something in appliance that's properly made, then they get to go to step two, square two, square three, square ten, square and then until you're at 100. I, if, if and nothing has convinced me to go and get my, my grinding of my teeth finally checked out or something, this definitely has. Good. Um, Good. Yeah. I'm, I'm just thinking through, like, as you're saying everything, I'm like, Oh, like all those years of grinding my teeth. And then I just gave up on what it was. Mm -hmm. uh, who knows how this could have affected different things. My movement patterns. Mm -hmm. Crazy. I mean, sleep and all these things we do affects it. And, and people often forget that, but if we are spending eight hours in sleep, I mean, and we're not thinking about what we do in it or how we can improve it, then that's a lot missed opportunity when we're fighting for those 1% in our sport or in our day-to-day -day lives or our performance mentally, even that's right. so if we could sum up what we talked about into like, like, let's just say three to five main, main tips for someone looking to improve their sleep quality. What would those tips be? To improve their sleep quality. Okay. Making sure that you can breathe through your nose clearly, easily, effortlessly, that you sleep in a dark, quiet, and cool room um, and be consistent at it. Okay. And then if you're having a challenge with any of those, right? So like, for example, the number one cause of insomnia is pain, mm. right? So if you're having problems with jaw pain, headaches, whatever, go, go, go seek help, right? If you're having trouble breathing through your nose, go, you know, go see an ENT, go seek help. Um, yeah. And, and have a talk. And sometimes, you know, people hate the idea. Bed partners hate the idea of sleeping in different bedrooms. 
right? And I tell them, I go, I, I hate the idea of getting bad sleep every night, right? So while your bed partner is getting their problem resolved, go ahead and sleep in different bedrooms and then have the goal of coming back together again once the snoring or sleep apnea or whatever the issue is, is resolved. Love that. That's perfect. I have two questions I ask every guest uh, mm -hmm. and like to end with. The first one is out of all the daily habits that you have, and I'm sure this will be sleep related. What is one, the biggest game changer, that one biggest thing that like you could not possibly do without? Oh my God. So, uh, I wear a night appliance because I have sleep apnea and it's resolved with my appliance. And I also clench my teeth. My goodness gracious. Uh, I cannot go a night without it. I can't, I will not be able to function <laughs> it, without it. I will, I'll be cranky because I'll have terrible sleep. I'll wake myself up choking. Um, and my jaw will hurt when I wake up in the morning. That's right. if I, it, it, that's kind of an easy sort of routine. Um, but you know, I try to eat keto. I do intermittent fasting, try to get a little bit of exercise in all of these are important, but if I don't get a good night's sleep, it's all for naught. Literally all of it is worthless because you could have a zero carb diet but sleep terribly and your inflammatory markers will go through the roof. Right. Yep. Yeah. No so sleep is that's huge. It is very huge. And of course, everyone preaches the anti-inflammatory diet and managing your recovery mm. and buying, you know, the Norma tech boots and all these things. But again, it's the overcomplication when it's like, let's fix the, the foundations there. So exactly. well, the answer new would be about sleep. Um, the last one is, you're kind of, it's a yeah, makeshift scenario in your head. You're at the end of your life. You've lived out hundred years, 150 mm -hmm. years, who knows what our lifespans will be. And you're looking back, what is the impact that you wanted to have made? Oh my God. If I can have people take care of their psychological health, first and foremost, take ownership of their own challenges, Right. There is a word called projection. That means you're, whatever you're feeling, um, anger, jealousy, whatever, is a pro, uh, about someone else is actually just a projection about how you feel about yourself, mm. right? Yeah. So if people took ownership over their own domain, because we talked about watching the news and how useless that is. Um, we have way more control about how we control ourselves versus other people and other things. Mm. So if the first and foremost, if we take personal responsibility for our mental health or our mental well-being, and then we take personal responsibility for our physical health, diet, exercise, and sleep. Um, if I can get the awareness of that out into the world for longevity, for resilience, um, then I'll feel very, very happy when my time comes. I love that. And uh, I appreciate you for sharing all the knowledge that you did on this podcast. Hopefully it will help you move towards making that impact because I know, you know, you, you help me. Uh, some of these questions have been burning ones that I've had even about my own issues. So that's, that's super yeah. cool. Um, and I hope that everyone listening just understands that sleep is not to be overlooked and it's so, so important for us all. 
It is. And if you guys want more information, I've done a bunch of YouTube videos. I did a one hour Google talk. Um, you can just type in Google talk, Dr. Shirazi in YouTube, you'll find it. My website, I have two offices in the Los Angeles area, tmjla.com or tmjconejo.com. And um, it's just chock full of information if you, got, if you or your audience wants more. Perfect. I'll make sure to put in the show notes so people can find out more information and Thank look you. at like the studies you mentioned and everything. Cause I know that'll be, that'll be perfect. And I, my audience is as curious as I am. So I'm sure they'll want to dive into it. Wonderful. Well, great. That's great. Well, thank you so much again for coming on. It's my sincere pleasure. Thank you. Hey, I think that the greatest gift in life is presence. So thank you so much for gracing me with your presence of tuning in to this episode. Now, something that I would appreciate a ton and would help this podcast keep growing is if you, one, take a screenshot of this episode and share it on your social media so more people can find the podcast and hopefully we can help impact more people. As well as number two is if you can leave a rating and a written review. That means so much. And once again, thank you for being here.